Okay, good evening, good morning over in Europe there. Good to see everybody again. Uh, welcome back to the Silmarillion Film Project. Uh, this, of course, as we announced last time, is our film film uh, taking place at an unusual hour of the day. It is 2 a.m. Eastern Time on our live recording. And... Um, uh, so I, I, as far as I know, I don't think Dave's going to be able to make it tonight. I think he was going to try, but uh, uh, it is hard in a house with small children to record after midnight, so he might not be able to make it. But I am joined today with a very special guest, uh, joined by uh, Hakan from... Tell us where you're joining... Uh, t- tell people where you're joining us from. Well, I'm, I'm in Stockholm, Sweden. Great. Excellent. Oh. Yeah, so uh, joining us from Sweden this this morning, right? As it's definitely morning for yeah. you. Uh, and uh, uh, Hakan, you've been such a wonderful uh, contributor, such a, a, a strong member of our community here at the Film Film Project for a long time. Of course, I know being uh, in Europe and us tending to broadcast late at night on the East Coast, it's been uh, awkward, of course. It's been difficult for you to join us live often. Um, but I know in particular, you've been uh, very active in our cast process, which has been a lot of fun over the years. Uh, so really happy to have Hakan with us this evening to talk about the criteria for casting uh, for season five. And of course, we're going to be spending a great deal of our time uh, talking about um, uh, talking about men, right? It is time for the humans to join, and it is going to be primarily the human characters uh, that we're going to be figuring out the casting for. And, um, so I will we'll, we'll come to kind of Reminding everybody of uh, sort of the rules, how we te- how we do the casting, and and uh, uh, the sort of the criterion that we're using here. Um, uh, but again, just uh, delighted to be joined officially and live by our casting director. Uh, so so glad you could be with us uh, here, Hakan. Um, before we get going. Just a, a few announcements uh, that I wanted to begin with. First, to remind everybody that uh, in a couple weeks, February 13th, uh, we are having TexMoot, our virtual TexMoot, still hosted in Texas, but virtually. Um, and so everyone is welcome uh, to join that. That's going to be a lot of fun. Saturday, February 13th. Um, and uh, still uh, uh, lots of opportunity, you know, plenty of space, of course, for people to join us. Uh, so just wanted to encourage people there. You can go to signumuniversity.org slash event slash textmoot2021, or you can go to textmoot.org, uh, which is the, uh, the direct web page that we have for textmoot. And you can register in either place. It's uh, it's only fifteen dollars for the day, uh, so uh, would uh, love for people to come and join us. Also, uh, on behalf of uh, Philip Menzies, who's here, uh, our our uh, composer, um, we have a call for singers. Uh, so we want to do another uh, vocal song uh, for this season's film. Film in particular. It's the, the, the folk song slash sea shanty uh, for the House of Bayor uh, in uh, episode one. So we talked about the, the, the song the, uh, you know, about going into the West that they sing. Um, we already have had uh, the, the, the uh, Rhiannon has written uh, the words for the song. Uh, um, uh, uh, Tony uh, Tony Mead has composed the music for the song uh, so now we're wanting to get some singers together uh, F- Philip's wanting to organize some singers and do uh, an online recording uh, for this so uh, if you uh, we encourage you to get in touch with Philip Menzies uh, and you can do that by going to our discussion forums uh, we have a, a thread for the call for singers um, I really enjoyed the uh, uh, the the 
the vocal lines in the Curse of Feanor song from last season. So I'm really looking forward. This is, of course, a very different kind of thing uh, than that. Um, so that um, is uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. So. Uh, so definitely, if you're interested, get in touch with Philip on our discussion boards. And, of course, the script discussions continue to move along. They're doing script discussion for episode 8 uh, uh, next week. So that's Sunday, February 7th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time um, is when they'll be do, discussing this, uh, doing the script outline discussion. The, the, the script discussion to try to produce the script outline for episode eight. Uh, looking forward to uh, getting all the way through up to episode eight, uh, as I think we'll be discussing episode four next time uh, in uh, in our uh, in our show. So that'll be a lot of fun. All right, those are our announcements for today. So let's just review. Um, Hakan, these are kind of guidelines that we established several years back, right, that we've been, you know, sort of focusing on. So uh, are, are there any of the, the rules that you wanted to kind of particularly draw attention to as you've been going through this process for a few years? Well, uh, the first uh, rule there, that the actor must be alive at the time of casting, is, of course, very interesting because uh, people die eventually. So, <laughs> Right. <laughs> people die, but this so, project does not. So, yeah. No. <laughs> So, particularly for the actors who who will participate in acting for both the frame and the yes the main story, uh, we'll we will have to like imagine that they have done all their shots at one time, right? Right. Although they will participate for several years, right? So, right. right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is going to be uh, uh, challenging in that way. And yeah, I mean, it was this was. A, I mean. We were kind of tempted, right? Because, you know, since this is like a completely theoretical production, in theory, you know, we could we could cast actors from 40 years ago, you know, uh, in these roles. Um, but uh, but we, we, we decided for the, you know, sort of the framework of the exercise to say, OK, um, they have to be alive. But as you say, at the time of the casting specifically, right, because, uh, you know. Happen. Yeah, and also we we were, we were actually pushed this for a few times uh, a few times because uh, they they had to have a certain age. We, right. we think of them being at a certain kind of age, and and uh, and uh, for some castings we have chosen actors who have actually been slightly older than right. than they uh, should be, and so on. So so we were. To kind of push the borders for that move a bit. Right, right. Of course, it's it's a continuous challenge trying to cast yeah. immortal characters, immortal non-aging characters for a very long-term project is really is really difficult. Yeah. So what we should do is actually send each of them a ring. <laughs> exactly. Is that, is that so much to ask? I mean, yeah. It seems like a it seems like an obvious precaution. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, but uh, yeah, and so and so they also have to have an IMDb page so that other people who you know when 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 uh, people because I mean I know you know some people might have an actor you know like a local stage actor or something that they've seen that they would want to suggest but if you know other people in our community can't access any images or you know anything else from their work it's hard for anybody else to be able to you know evaluate and kind of vote on that so that's a also a very sensible rule um and then they cannot be cast in another role on film film previously except perhaps 
for voice only roles. So we can't recycle somebody whom we cast as one of the Valar in season one and bring them back. Um, Okay. So that, uh, that, that makes it. So of course, over time we have disqualified a large number of actors because we have a large cast. There have been times when I thought uh, we're running out of actors. <laughs> right. <laughs> we, we don't have a casting agency, so, so we can't just bring in thousands or, or millions of actors that right. are out there. But, um, so we, we, we mainly have the access to A-list and B-list actors who, who, who are known. Uh, so, yeah. But simply people uh, are introduced to the, the, the business as the years go by, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the new actors come. Yeah, you, yeah. You know, I, I, um, I have to admit, it's one of the things that I thought about when I first saw the cast released for the Amazon show. Right when they first came out mm-hmm. with the cast, my very first thought was, I, I haven't heard of almost any of these people. Like, I have no, no idea who these people are. And my second thought was. Ooh, a cool new slate of people to to get yeah. to know for some film casting. That could be handy. Uh, so yeah, yeah, you know, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have people to draw from. It's going to be hard, of course, because they'll already have Tolkien characters, and so you know we won't want to yeah. just carry it through. But there could be some some interesting possibilities from the first stage that could open up there, perhaps. Yeah, we we did use uh, people from. Uh, we used uh, Richard Armitage. Mm-hmm. Uh, who played Thorin for right. Fanor, so... Right, yeah, we don't want to be... We don't want to exclude somebody just because they have played a different Tolkien character in some other film, so... Um, wow. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, okay. So, and of course, no attention is paid to the cost of getting an actor involved in the process. That's one of the wonderful things about film film is an infinite budget. Uh, so that's, uh, that's, that's, that's excellent. Um, but of course, we do want to be thinking about appearance skills and existing performances. So these are the things to be thinking... So we're going to so again today we're not going to be suggesting individual actors we don't uh, uh, that that's not what we're here for what we're wanting to do is try to make sure that we have a kind of some concepts right concepts for what we're sort of looking for um, for these different uh, roles so that then people can nominate folks you know knowing that and then we can kind of you know we can all evaluate and, and, and vote at the end of the process. So, um, one of the biggest questions, of course, that we have to address, again, it's almost all humans uh, that we're casting, or, you know, predominantly humans uh, that we're casting this season. And um, so we have to first address the sort of major kind of like foundational question, right? Which is a very natural question that everybody has, which is, what do we want to go for as far as look for the different houses, right? You know, the House of Hod or the House of Beor and the House of Haleth, Um there are some very clear guidance that Tolkien gives on this, and there are some other kind of flexibilities uh, that he has, and we need to kind of make some decisions on this. The one thing that seems to be most obvious, and I think uh, surely, you know, it has to be least controversial, is the House of Hador, right? I mean, the House of Hador, um, you know, Hador yellow-haired Hador, like, okay, I think we're pretty clear on <laughs> the fact that yellow-haired Hador... So that that the House of Hador should be generally, you know, tending to be blonde. They don't all have to be blonde, but, you know, all tending to be blonde. Like, basically, you know, very sort of Nordic look for the House of Hador. 
that's that's very explicit in the text, um, and you know I, I, I have no problems with that. I think that that's um, that seems very sensible. Um, yeah, we, he does say, and these are quotes from the text uh, where he talks about the appearance of them. He does say that there were not a few among among them that had dark hair, um, though all were fair skinned. Um, so again, that is, you know, they're not all blonde. It doesn't have to be complete. You know, we have to have like blonde wigs on everybody or something like that. Yeah, but um, but that seems fairly clear. So the question then becomes: yeah. the House of Beor and the House of Haleth. Now, the thing that is explicit in the text about the House of Beor is that they are darker, right? They're darker brown of hair with gray eyes, we're told. Um, and uh, that all, there were fair-haired men and women among the folk of Beor, but most of them had brown hair, usually going with brown eyes, and many were less fair in skin, some indeed being swarthy. Men as tall as the House of Hador were rare among them, and most were broader and more heavy in build. Um, and then the House of Haleth were told least of all about their physical appearances. Um, uh, lesser of stature. That's all we know. They tended to be short. That's 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 pretty much the only fact. I mean, they're less eager for lore, but that doesn't tell us much about how they looked. Um, so um, I f- it does seem to me, especially given the fact we have several challenges, I think, in our casting in this season, not just our casting, but in our scripts, like in our the whole project this season, which is a lot of characters, right? Not only are we introducing a whole ton of new characters, um, but they're short-lived, unlike the elves, you know, they don't stick around for the whole season because the whole season is too long. They're dying of old age, right, as we go through the season. Um, but in addition to that fact, it also, of course, brings in the fact that they're aging. So we're going to get them at different points. So they're going to look different. Even the, even the you know, one character who appears in many episodes is going to look very, very different. So there's going to be a continual challenge. Um there's going to be a, 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 a continual challenge, uh, you know, for, um, like, rec- you know, like for the audience to recognize people and to, you know, for them always to know who's on screen. So one of the things that I think um, it seems to be like one of the one of the least things that we could do to make this simpler is to have the three different houses of men sort of look alike. Right. Like, you know, themselves so that you can kind of tell at the very like the very minimum at a glance, you'll be able to see, OK, right. This, this is the House of Hot. These are folks from the House of Hador. Those are folks from the House of Beor. Those are folks from the House of Haleth. If we can have at least that much of a framework for people, that's going to really help. And of course, since they're discussed in terms of houses and even when we know they're going to intermarry. And so there's going to be some blending, uh, you know, of some of the characteristics um, uh, among them. Um, but nevertheless, to have those kind of fairly clear themes seems to be one way that we can simplify things a little bit. Um, so there was there was a bunch of discussion about this on the discussion boards. Um, and the, 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 it seems that the general, I don't know if it was a general consensus, but, you know, one idea that, that, that seemed to be supported by many people and which makes a lot of sense to me uh, is to have... The three houses largely separated, not just by hair color, but also by variations of skin color as well. So the House of Hador are the lighter skinned, more uh, uh, northern European look. 
the house of Beor be more swarthy, so we you know, get more like Mediterranean uh, uh, in appearance. And then the House of Haleth could actually be darker, could actually be dark skinned. We know nothing about them. They're shorter. That's all that we know. Right. Um, If we did that. So if we had brown skinned people for the House of Haleth, you know, sort of uh, Mediterranean complexion for the House of Beor and fair skinned uh, Nordic, you know, more Nordic blonde types uh, for the House of Hador that would create a much kind of clearer sort of visual palette on the screen, you know, to be able to sort things out. Is, is that, does, is, is that kind of go along with the, you know, with, with your thinking after the discussions, Hakan? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think those general principles are, are very good. And I think most people agree with them after what I've okay. yeah. heard on, on the forums. Yeah. So, so yeah. So blonde and and only the House of Hotter are blonde, and uh, they don't really have any variations this season. Right. Right. Uh, and uh, House of Bay are, yeah, Mediterranean, mm-hmm. uh, whatever that is. <laughs> whatever that is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And House of Halif, swarthier. I, I'm not sure what what do we mean by that. Is is. How I'm dark trying to, skin are we talking about here? Yeah, exactly. I'm trying to figure out. I mean, it's hard to guess exactly what was in Tolkien's mind when he said that. Yeah. You know, like what that meant to him when he said that. Um, but I, uh, yeah, exactly. Marie was just asking, what exactly does swarthy mean? Um, uh, my suspicion, my suspicion is that by swarthy, what like what the word swarthy meant to Tolkien, I believe, was something like Middle Eastern, basically. Okay. I think vaguely is 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 what he's thinking of. Um but um Yeah, yeah. Um But at the same time, I think that dark skin, like African skinned people are around I we could go with you know dark african skin people for one of the house so here's one of the other things that i like about the differences the sort of you know the skin tone differences in the three different houses um we get the fact that these three houses are coming across the mountains um they kind of have met you know they're sort of aware of each other but they're not like one group just like sort of segregated into three political units. They're really three separate peoples who come over at around the same time, but they're not really together. I like the idea of essentially visually conveying these people have come from very different, you know, they've been wandering for some time and they've come from very different places um, without having to say anything about their actual back, you know, their actual, you know, recent history and where that, where they've been over the last several hundred years we can kind of suggest, I think, visually, that these are three groups of people who come from, you know, who, who come from very different, pla- you know, very different places, like geographically very different places. Um, and they're all kind of converging here uh, on Beleriand, not all for exactly the same reasons and with exactly the same uh, idea. It, it makes them kind of, 
it doesn't present them as a unified front, which I think is important because they're not a unified front. You know, they still need to kind of figure things out. Um, but um, anyway, um, so, uh, um, yeah, no, you're right, Marie. It, it is a little bit harder if Marie is pointing out that, of course, if we actually were to go as far as having the House of Haleth be African in appearance, then when we start uh, intermarrying the House of Haleth with like the House of Hador, uh, it's going to be improbable to have blonde, very many blonde children uh, from such. It's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to make it look more awkward. I agree. That is, that is a sort of a challenge. Tuor in particular is one who's, um, um, you know, a, a descendant from, you know, one of those marriages with that, with the house of Haleth. Um, mm -hmm. hmm. Okay. So, hmm. So what were we thinking? Wasn't there a suggestion that the House of Haleth could perhaps be um, something from more along the, like in the, uh, that we could be looking for actors with more of a, like, um, you know, Pakistan, uh, India yeah. kind of look? Yeah, I perhaps? thought of that, yeah. Yeah, uh... yeah. 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 And Rihanna and Marie, I think both were suggesting that we could we could save African casting for the people of Harid who are going to be in our frame. Uh, you know, so we'll have uh, we'll have that opportunity. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Marie was just reminding me of that, about the, the sort of brown skin, like, uh, you know, Indian subcontinent brown skinned uh, uh, look for the House of Haleth. Yeah, I just again, my thing is, I just I think it would be really helpful if if they were visibly different in that way, just to, for just to throw our viewers a bone in helping to figure out who's who, because it's going to be awful hard to keep track. And I like that. I, I mean, I like that diverse idea, too. Again, I, I like the idea that the, what we're kind of conveying is that like the different houses of men have kind of come from around you know the world and they've ended up there uh, in Beleriand. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think that I think that's I think that's nice. OK, well, with those kinds of guidelines in mind, um, let's think about the characters. So this is the list of characters. And of course, the challenge that we have is aging, right? Um, given the gaps of time between every episode, pretty much every episode, I think, um, in this season, we're going to have very few characters who are not going to, I mean, um, it's not just casting one person for each one of these roles like we've had in the past with the elves, um, you know, with the elves and the Valar and the, and the Maiar, uh, we're going to have to potentially think about multiple people or decide what we can do here. So um, did you have any any uh, uh, strong opinions on the subject of, you know, how we do aging or how we might, you know, what kind of frameworks we might establish for that? Well, essentially, I think we have to do it case by case. But uh, I think, for instance, if you look at Bayor, right. uh, I think we could do that with one actor. Mm -hmm. uh, we could cast a 60-something-year-old person who can act older. That's right. no problem, I think. Yeah, I agree. And also, 
uh, for Barra here. I don't think we need to cast a kid. Uh, and a 30-something-year-old could play a 50-something-year-old. So for those two, I, I think we just need to cast one. Uh, but uh, for Adonel, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I think we have to go for two actresses. Yeah. And yeah. also maybe, regrettably, Andreth. Yes. I mean, there are there. I think there are clearly some that we have to divide now as far as like the children. Right. I mean, we're not going to do a casting call for four and five year olds. Right. I mean, like there aren't that many four year olds with IMDb pages like there just aren't. Uh, so. So, yeah, I, I think that we're we're just going to have to kind of take it as read that we find, you know, were we actually yeah. to be doing this, we would find a four or five year old who could who could play the role. Um, so that's not really, uh, uh, you know, one of the things we can do. Um, but yeah, so we would need Adonel appears at 19, 29 and 74. So 29. So 19 uh, is episode two. Right. When she's uh, when they're just in when they're in Nargothrond and then 29 is at Beor's death. Right. Um, So those are going to be 29, especially is going to be sort of her big moment, Um, uh, which means I think we should probably we would should probably lean towards the older side there. Like, I mean, I would rather cast someone who is closer to the 29 side than to someone who is closer to the 19 side, I think. Yeah, so like 25. Yeah, yeah, that I think would be good for Adonel. But I agree, we don't want to take our 25-year-old and try to pass her off as a 74-year-old woman in episode four, or whenever she comes back, not four. But um, yeah, so we probably will need a minor character to play aged Adonel. Well, unless we want to shoot her her scenes later on in 50 years. Or so. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We'll come back and put those back in. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, I think, um, uh, I think right now I agree, Rian, that it is easier to make people look older than it is to make them look younger. Um, I agree with that. Um, but uh, but here, I guess what I'm what I'm primarily thinking is. Of these ages, is there one which is like the central one, like the one that's most important to the character? The character may appear. And so for Adonel, to me, it's 29, right? It's when she takes over from Beor and becomes the leader. And, you know, it's like Adonel at the funeral, I think, is the important place for Adonel, right? That that episode is there. whereas in the episode when she's there as a 19 year old, she's a much more minor character uh, than she is at episode, you know, when in episode three. Um, so if there's going to be one of them where she looks more like what she's supposed to look like than the other, if there, if there's any risk of that, you know, I would want it. I would want her to be looking right in the episode, which is going to really feature her most prominently. So to me, that's the most important question as we're, um, um, as we're thinking about that. Marie, I don't know how important it is to cast. And I mean, okay, do we have to do a whole casting call for 74 year old Adonel? Um, I guess Marie, in part, I'd have to ask you, you know, and, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, how big is a role when she's 74? You know, I mean, if she plays a significant role, then we can, um, 
I think maybe we should think about it. Um, but um, but I mean, if it's a relatively minor part, then I think we could kind of we could kind of skim it. Um, but um, anyway, okay. Um, Andreth. So Andreth. I think we do have to have two actresses for Andreth. Yeah. I don't think there's any way around that. Without an L, we could escape it by just skipping the 74-year-old or, again, kind of putting 74-year-old Adenel in the same category as the children actors, right? They're just saying, you know, we're not going to, you know, we're we're, we're going to, like, find an extra who can do that, but we're not going to do a whole casting call for it. But Andreth, her ages 26 to 28 span is super important. You know, her decision to lead the people out of Nargothrond and her leading the people, you know, up to Ladros, her handing off her leadership, and then, of course, uh, her romantic relationship um, with Ignor. So that's that's huge right there. But, you know, the actual Athrobeth scene, you know, the actual conversation and debate with Finrod is also super important. Um, so I, I really think that we have to, um, I think we have to we really are going to need to, to, to do two actresses there. So, um, I agree. So all of these people should look Mediterranean, whatever that is. And, uh, but also to help uh, viewers, do you think they should have certain special traits or like, uh, not a humpback or anything, but like, <laughs> right. Uh, right. Well, I, I, so they're not so closely related as to like have to resemble each other, you know, in some way. Like we, it's not no, like we no, should I, have to. I yeah. The same for for Andreth. For, and, oh, for Andreth. Yeah, 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 yeah. For Andreth herself. Yeah. Like, I mean, of course, we could, we could, we could do it artificially. Like we could give her like a, you know, like a mole or something, yeah. you know, artificially that we put on both actresses, uh, you know, as a little guide. <laughs> who knows right we could leave that to the makeup folks you know to just you know to, to give her something to uh give people a clue i mean it's easier when you've got something like um i'm thinking of the netflix the crown um uh mm-hmm. series right where they have now are going to be are you know have doing their third actress for Queen Elizabeth, right? It's a little easier for them because they do two seasons, two whole seasons at a time, and then they switch, right? Whereas we're going to be switching, you know, in the course of four episodes, we'll have the two actors. So um, So maybe for the casting of Andreth, we should uh, ask people to cast uh, a pair of actresses. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it would be, it might be hard to mix and match if we have elections, you know, for two different people and they end up going in two very different directions. Um, yeah, yeah, I think I think voting for pairs makes a lot of sense there. It's going to make the nominations more tricky, but that's going to be part of the, I mean, I think Andreth in this way is going to be one of the, one of the, the real challenges um, of uh, of the whole thing. I think, you know, there are others who I think are definitely going to need two different actors, perhaps. But I think that Andreth is by far the there's there's most pressure on that. You know, it's it's most imperative uh, to have that working with her. I have also one general principle question for you. Uh, okay. For these actors, actors or, or characters who appear just briefly and then are gone, mm-hmm. do you think we should aim for well-known actors or lesser known because well to me the well-known the, actors 
come with something, they, they bring something to, to yep. roll immediately. Yeah. I mean, that's true. Um, and I think with some characters, it's it's worth it. So my, my primary reaction to that is simply we want to be careful not to waste anybody. Right. I mean, you know, we, you know, as you said, there are only so many famous actors in the world and we have a, a very, very large cast to fill out over many seasons of film film. So if we if we take an actor who might be really fun to cast in a award. And we've done that already several times already, you know, where we've had somebody who was, a, who was really good. And we're like, they're too good. We want to, we want to save that person for later. Um, that's my, that's my chief concern. That would be my chief fear of casting a very well-known actor for one of these smaller roles. But in some cases it might be worth it. Andreth, I think is one where, you know, she might be, uh, especially since she is essentially the, I mean, I, I think of Andreth, Andreth and Finrod are the two central characters of the whole season, in my mind. Like, they are the pivotal characters of the whole season. So um, that is worth spending two, you know, pretty well-established actresses on if uh, if we decide we want to go in that direction, I think. I would just be, I wouldn't want to cast, you know, a really wonderful actress as 74-year-old Adonel is the main thing, you know, that I, that I would think about there. So, but, but other than that, I, I think that there's definitely something to be said um, when we want to, when there's an important, you know, a, a, a significant role that we want somebody to establish well, I think that would be, that would be uh, an interesting plan. Um, yeah. Um, so thinking about other, so kind of backing up. So we talked about the age issue. Oh, the, so Bari here. I think we only need one Bari here. Yeah, we're going to yeah. get him at 31 and 55. But again, that that we can fake, you know, with, uh, you know, he can be, you know, graying and with some makeup. You know, so if we cast like a, you know, 35 or 40 year old guy or something like that, we can easily, you know, push him in both directions, I think, for Bari here. So. Yeah. And for Barra here, he's one of the first kind of rough, more warrior. Yes, uh, definitely. Bear, bear guys. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and also, I would yeah. remind people that, that when we cast uh, humans now instead of elves, I think we should try to aim for a slightly, should I say, uglier people. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's true that we don't frequently want the human, like when a human and an elf are on screen together, we don't want the human to be vastly outshining the elf in attractiveness as a rule. There will be some cases, right? Like there is an immense, going to be an immense amount of pressure on the casting of Turin Turambar, right? Because he is absolutely gorgeous. The most beautiful human who ever, you know, the most beautiful human who ever lived. So that's a big deal. Right. But um, it doesn't mean that uh, exactly. Uh, Joe Nagar on YouTube was just saying exactly the same thing. Um, Exactly right. By the way, uh, Nick was suggesting that we cast Meryl Streep as uh, as uh, as as older Andreth. <laughs> then, hey, that's okay. Yeah. And look, you know, it's 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 not like we're going to save her forever for a larger role twenty years down the road. So, um, but is she Mediterranean looking? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> makeup, makeup. We can make it happen. Um, uh, yeah. Well, so. Um, Okay, B- back to the plainness question, or like you know the yeah. the beauty question. We don't have to go like too too far in the other direction, right? Like they, do, it's not like none of the humans can be attractive, or like we have to shy away from you know very attractive people. Um, 
it's not even just, I think, a question, you know, Marie of Hollywood plain, you know, as they say. Um, it's not even that. I mean, they can be a, and some of some of what we're wanting. Some of what we're talking about here can be accomplished, I think, through makeup and costuming, basically. Right. I mean, if the humans look just kind of like more rustic and the elves look more polished and, and sleek and gorgeous. Right. So um, a lot of the the kind of visual contrast that I, I agree, I think it's important to maintain can be done through um, uh, through costuming and and uh, and and makeup. Um, but uh, but yeah, we, we I. There might be some cases where we say, you know, that person is just going to outshine everybody in the room and it could get awkward, you know, when the Noldor come on the screen or something like that. Um, so it is an important character character uh, uh, issue to consider. I think I think we're going to I think we're going to have to cast Baron this. I know he's he's sort of on our maybe list because he's not going to be a major character in this season. But I he's going to have to be. I mean, he obviously he's a hugely important character for next season. You know, one of the very most important characters for casting. Um, but I think we have to lay the groundwork. Uh, how old is he going to be? Um, how old is he going to be? uh when we get him, he's still relatively young, right? Um, yeah. I mean, I guess we can, it's again, it's not like we're actually filming this. So, I mean, we can always simply artificially postpone him until, uh, you know, we're talking about his story, Marie, as you're suggesting. Um, you know, I think that we can, we can do that. I, I'm just, it does, it, ML Deer and Baron will definitely have to appear on screen in this season um, because, of course, we're ending right at the transition point for the House of Baor. So ML Deer and Baron have to be there, uh, and I would like to kind of get to know them. Um, but we could even kind of, yeah. No, sorry. So we should cast both ML Deer and Baron? <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, uh I, I I see Marie's what Marie is getting at that kind of like a discussion of Baron and what Baron should look like and what we should do for Baron seems like a discussion that really should accompany season six instead of season five and I can totally agree with that as a concept. Um, so could we say that we he is played by some unknown teenager this season? Right. Yeah, we could cast him as a teenager and then recast him next time. Uh, conceivably. Um, I think we could probably get away with that, though. I don't know. Uh, I mean, how many years are passing? I don't, mean we, yeah. I don't mean that we have to cast him. We could just say that he's played by Right, team. right. Yeah, we could just, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's only five years. That's what I thought, Marie. It's not m- a much time uh, between okay. the end, chronologically, between, you know, the battle and, and the beginning of, of, of season six. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, we can we can we can deliberately avoid the Baron discussion for the sake of really folding that into Baron's story next year. But maybe we do do ML Deer now um, okay. with Bara here. That makes a little more sense to me. Um, ML Deer, what she's like? What's she like? Um, okay. 
ML Deer should be scary. She should be scary. She should be a woman you do not want to meet in a dark alley. She should look like a woman who could bounce you off the pavement repeatedly. That's what Emil Deer should look like. Uh, she can be attractive, but she, I mean, I'm not saying she has to be, you know, look like she's on steroids or something, but she should be formidable. A formidable woman is what Emil Deer should look like. Um, you are inclined to obey when she tells you something. That's, that's my, my, uh, my main primary thought about Emil Deer. She, she and Bari here, right? She are there. The two of them visually should be, you know, like the representatives of the later house of Bayor, like the more warrior like house of Bayor. Um, they're, they're the poster children of, um, you know, the, 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 the mature Bari here in Emil Deer are the face of the later house of Bayor. Um, so showing them, um, uh, showing them to be, um, uh, to be both people you would not mess with people who are, you know, strong and capable and confident and, uh, commanding in their presence. Um, and so therefore I think that, uh, ML Deer should also be tall. Both of them should be relatively tall. Now we know the house of uh, Hador is supposed to be the tallest of them. Um, but that doesn't matter particularly as we're not going to have Bari here standing side by side with many of the house of Hador at any point. Um, among the people that he's with, he should, he should, yeah. you know, um, it would be awkward for Bari here to be short. So he should definitely have some height. And Emil Deer should definitely, um, uh, should definitely be, uh, be formidable. Now, now Maria is saying, so Emil Deer is no longer the wise woman stereotype. Well, I'm not saying that she can still have that role. I don't, she doesn't necessarily have to be brawny. I, I don't want to, I don't want to necessarily just convey that, but she, commanding presence, right? She should be, um, she should, she should have a very commanding presence and I don't think she should be small. I think she should, she should be, um, the two of them should look like an imposing pair standing next to each other. She doesn't have to be a warrior. Again, she doesn't, we, she doesn't have to have rippling muscles or like enormous biceps or anything like that. Um, but she, she should be uh, tall and commanding. Yes. And, 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 and formidable. Um, how about Andreth? How do you, how do you picture Andreth, Hakan? <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. I, I, I picture her pretty small, actually. But, yeah, uh, I think that's a great idea. I kind of like I, for her to be, um, not physically imposing in that because she's, she takes over when she's really young, right? I mean, you know, she's going to be this very young person who is taking over and who is not only taking over but taking charge and, you know, initiating large and controversial decisions and getting everybody to go along with her, including Finrod Feligund himself, right? Um, so she is a very formidable person, but she's kind of, I don't know, like, I guess, um, an underdog, 
I, I, in that sense, like she shouldn't be somebody yeah. who is physically imposing. I like the idea of her being small, but her having sort of a big personality and just very clearly, um, very, very intelligent. Right. She's very intelligent. You can see that she's very intelligent. You can you can just like all you have to do is talk to her for five minutes and you can you can you can tell how she's, she should be very bright, and very charismatic. Um, uh, but I kind of like that, the idea of having that be in sort of a smaller package so that when you see her from a distance, you wouldn't expect it. Right. And then you meet her and you're like, whoa, holy cow. Yeah, I, I think people listen to her also, not because she raises her voice, but because she's calm. She yeah. stays calm. Yeah. Like exactly. Exactly. Small, calm person. Yeah. Like, yeah. She is smart and wise. Like this is, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's all about her brain. Um, yeah. But I think, I think she should be very attractive too. Like I'm, I, you know, again, not outshining the elves, but I think that though, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of, it's a little bit tempting there also to have her, we, we we could go in a couple different ways. Like I will admit, I kind of picture her as sort of small but really cute, right? However, it would be kind of interesting to have Andreth sort of Hollywood plain, right? So that again, there's 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 little to look at with her that makes you think like, wow, she's amazing. But then again, you hear her talk and 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 you know, and you you hear her talk and and the way that she and she still has a really strong charisma about her. Um, um uh, I think that's um I think that that would be an interesting approach with it but I don't yeah. know I don't know if I like it I don't know if I like it I think it's an interesting approach I, but I don't know if I like it I don't have a strong opinion about on, on her looks, okay. actually so yeah well, so I, maybe I'll leave that a little more open. We'll let people make uh, suggestions, and then you know we'll kind of look at the options and see uh, and see what we think there but um um but yeah, having her, having her be sort of smaller, um, but she has to have a very like active and lively face. You know, she has to be able to be very animated, uh, very, uh, very charismatic. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that that's definitely, definitely what we need for Andreth. Um, Adonel. Now, Adonel. Did we decide? Did we talk about this? I know that Adonel is in the text from the House of Hador, or not the House? Yeah, from well, what we are calling all lumping under the the, the House of Hador from the House of Malach. Um, did we decide to keep that, or did we decide to deviate from that? Um, I'm I I can't remember where we were in our earlier discussions on Adonel, um, if we, because it would seem to me a little bit awkward, I think, actually, in the way that we've presented the different folks coming in at different times. Like, where do they pick up at? If she's not from the House of Baor, how does she end up with them? Like, why is there a four-year-old from the other people who are not geographically close to them right now? I mean, I guess, like, yeah. it's... We could make up a backstory, but... Um, I'm, but we didn't. But we didn't. Yeah, and I don't. And we we certainly don't have time to present a backstory on screen in episode one. Um, so to do that, I mean, again, I know that it follows the text, but um, it seems to kind of open up um, 
uh, it seems to open up questions that we don't have any answers for and maybe to confuse things a little bit, especially because of her role. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, well, are, are you considering her her looks now because uh, you're thinking that she might be blonde? Or, or that's yeah, exactly. That's what I'm thinking about. Yeah. Okay. Um, if we but want, it. yeah, we could make a dark hair, and uh, we could say that well, she could be from House of Mara, but yeah, one of the dark haired ones. Right, exactly. Yeah, we we could make her not look very different, so that it's it's because yeah, I mean they're not all blonde that you know uh, in the House of Hanover. So, um, okay, so let, let's we can we can kind of let's say we want for Adonel, um we could avoid answering the question entirely if we cast her properly, <laughs> right? As you say, if we get somebody who is uh, dark-haired um, and not necessarily very dark-skinned, but also not very pale either, then, like, we can, you know, get somebody who will maybe look a little bit different but still fit in well enough to not cause confusion. So, okay, yeah, yeah. No, I can see that. I can see that. That, um, um, that... That makes sense. Um, okay. So we can do that. Um, Beor. 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 He's 67 when we meet him, right? So as you say, I agree. We, you know, we cast, you know, an actor in his 60s or something. Um, he should be a... Certainly a, 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 a hale and hearty 67-year-old at the beginning. Um, he is leading them not like Bari here at the end. He's not a war leader. Beor isn't necessarily. Um, but he is certainly active, like physically leading them down the trail, right? Marching, you know, with them down the trail. Um, I think he should... I kind of picture Beor as being a little bit... Um, like, I can't imagine Bayor being like skinny, like this, like really, really slender person. Like he seems like he should have some heft to him, like you know, broad shoulders and um, uh, maybe even a belly, right? I mean, just like he should be, he should, he should be a man of substance. Bayor should be, I feel. Um, uh, barrel chest at least, Marie. I mean, again, they're you know, in episode one you know, they will have been traveling for a long time. It's hard to imagine him as having like a very large belly, right? But but yeah, at the very least, like a, a large kind of barrel-chested guy is what I'm imagining for Bayor. A bit of a bear? Yeah, kind of bear-like. Yeah, I guess, you know, maybe that's part of what's influencing me to uh, think of him that way. But um, uh, I mean, part of it, of course, I'm kind of biased by... T- uh, Tolkien's own bias towards the correlation between height and leadership, right? I mean, it is almost always true that the tallest person in the crowd is the leader in Tolkien stories, you know? Um, so I think in part that's kind of swaying. It's, it's one of the reasons why when we're imagining this, I have a really hard time imagining, you know, somebody like Beor leading his house across the mountains being this, you know, small, wiry guy because that just clashes with like the Tolkien you know the the concept 
yeah, he should be a rock. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, Joseph from YouTube, great question. Uh, what's their lifespan? He's going to die of old age at the age of 93. Um, and his, like, uh, multiple generations have died at around the age of, uh, of, of 90s. So this is not, don't be thinking about, like, a Numenorean time frame where, you know, like Aragorn is this age, you know, in the Lord of the Rings and doesn't, you know, look at all uh, like his age. It's not like that yet. That is a that is a post-Numenor situation. Um, so the aging should is basically very similar to modern, essentially, uh, for this, which makes things just a little bit simpler. Actually, no, it makes things more complicated because it makes them age faster. It'll be easier with the Numenorians. They might stick around for more episodes. Um but uh, but but that's a really good question. Okay. Um, I don't have any strong opinions about Bregalas. I don't know that we need to cast somebody prominent for Bregalas. But I would want to ca- add casting for him. I don't. I don't. I don't think we need to do a casting call for Bregalas. I mean, I wouldn't be resistant if somebody had an idea, you know, and wanted to throw it out. But I don't think that we have to do Bregalas. It's that's. Because he's a fairly minor character, I think, and we already have a lot of characters. So, mm-hmm. um, but I definitely would want to add Emil Deer. So we can add Emil Deer in, and I agree, it's okay. We can save Baron uh, for next time uh, or next season. That is all right. So let's talk about the House of Haleth. Yeah. Haleth is one of the other challenges from an age perspective. Right. Do we do we think we need more than one Haleth actress? Um, It's tricky. Uh, I think we could do the transition from 30, 40 something to 55 and then hide her in shadows in for the 81. Yeah, I mean, I think we can because she's not playing a major role at 81. Right. I mean, she's got a. It's as I recall. I mean, if I'm remembering from what we talked about, um, uh, it's uh, she's it's like a cameo appearance practically when she's 81. Yeah. So I think with uh, makeup, CGI, and um, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So she's going to be the matriarch at, at at the double wedding. I don't even know if she'll talk, right? So, um, yeah, but the 16. I wonder. That's the tricky part. I agree. That's the tricky part. Clearly, the aged thirty Haleth is our main Haleth, right? She's the she's our primary character when she's leading the people across, um, uh, uh, you know. And that's what several episodes Marie says four through six. Um, so, um, yeah, yeah, I, I, clearly, our primary Haleth actress has to be you know, around that. Can we, can we get away with it? You know, can we cast somebody who's like late twenties that we can, you know, kind of you know, yeah. squint at and, and make look 16, you know, did I see what? Did you see, did you see Vikings? I haven't yet. Still on my list, but I haven't seen it yet. No, it's, uh, it's they do this a lot. They, they age people and use the same actors for, from like, early 20s up to, I don't know, uh, they look very old. Right. right. Uh, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Right. So right. It's, it's tricky. 
It I'm is not sure. Tricky. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Yeah, both Marie and Rhiannon are saying that 16-year-old Haworth, of course, plays a pretty uh, substantial role. I mean, that's that's her at the battle, right? I mean, you know, so that's uh, it's tough. Um, we need two actresses who should look somewhat alike. Yeah, I mean, because it's not like it's going to be a night and day difference between 16 and 30. You know, I mean, it's 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 I mean, with, with Andreth, it's easier, honestly. Right. I mean, because we have her as, you know, young yeah. woman and then as much older woman. Right. I mean, you know, casting a 25 year old and a 60 year old who, you know, but, but, you know, who have enough similarities to be able to pass that off. That's not that hard. A 16 and a 30 year old, that's much harder to be able to have it really believable um, that, you know, that it's the same person. Um, I guess I, I, um, I question about the extent to which, all right, sorry, Marie, you're right. She's 30 at the battle. I'm I'm misplacing the events in my head here. Um, okay, what's she doing at sixteen? What is she doing then? Uh, that's a that there's a flashback arc that's given to when she's sixteen. Maria is telling me in episode four, so I haven't seen this yet, so I'm not sure uh, exactly what that's going to be. But it's uh, uh, it's apparently a fairly substantial role in episode four. Um, okay, but would it be possible to to use just another actress for for the sixteen year old? flashback uh, scenes. Uh, as long as, it, I guess my question is just, which is, which is going to push, you know, the willing suspension of disbelief more, right? A different person who is going to look kind of similar, but be a different person or, you know, some combination of, you know, makeup, costume, and CGI to try to make her look 16 when she's actually 30. Um, or we could use first-person camera for that. We don't show her at all. <laughs> don't show her at all. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know how that would fit with the script. I haven't seen the <laughs> script outline for that, so I'm not sure. But, uh, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess especially if it's just going to be a flashback thing, even if it's a fairly major role in one episode. Um, I'm a little leery of casting an entirely. It seems to me that of those two things, having two separate people who are only supposed to be like 14 years apart from each other um, and trying to pass that off as the same person, I think that's likely to be more difficult than trying to, you know, make her look younger, uh, through various mechanisms, um, especially if it's just for the one episode. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we should look for someone who is like 30, 35. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. I, I think, cause we probably don't want to go, uh, too much younger than that. So someone in her thirties, I think would be ideal for Haleth because we, we want to have her there, but of course she is going to be, we are going to get her through when she's 40 and then again when she's 55. Of course, then again when she's 81, but that's a different situation. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I, I, say, I say one Haleth, but, but again, if somebody has a dynamite suggestion, which, you know, of a pairing that would work really, really well, I'd be open to hearing it. I don't think it would be a bad thing. Um, In my imagination, you, you have to, you, you think of one person 
for right. this. You, you want you think of Halif and right. you think of one person. Yeah. And then you sort of uh, like imagine that there are alternatives of that person right. for the other ages. Right. Unless there's a really good reason to to cast another one or, or, or uh, yeah. Yeah, if there are significant changes um, and another story and stuff like that. Exactly, which again, with with Andreth is a really wonderful example of that, right? That's why it works so well to have two Andreths. Yeah. Um, whereas, yeah, like the sixteen-year-old Haleth is not like it's not a different role exactly. Like with the two roles for Andreth are two different roles; they really are. Um, but the two Haleths would not really be there. So again, if somebody wants to suggest a 16-year-old that would, we, we should have our, you know, early 30s Haleth as our primary actress. If somebody wants to pitch, you know, a, you know, a teenager who would, uh, you know, or a 20-year-old or something like that who might, you know, work well as a pairing, I'm open to it. But, uh, you know, maybe we decide that we just want to go with the we just want to go with the one that's certainly where I would lean primarily. Um, uh, okay. Um, now, as far as what Haleth looks like here, more than I think anywhere else, we need a physically brawny woman, right? Haleth looks, you know, if, if ML Deer is a woman whose presence makes you like sit down and pay attention and nod your head politely when she talks to you. Haleth should look like somebody who could tie you around a tree, right? If she wanted to, I mean, she should be physically, Oh, I just accidentally flipped the whole thing. Okay. She should be, um, she should be physically intimidating, physically imposing. Um, she does not have to be tall. Remember the House of Haleth are the shortest. Yeah, good. Uh, that's the one thing we know about the House of Haleth is that they're short, right? So, um, you know, she does not. But though, again, I would not object if Haleth were unusually tall for the Haladin, right? I mean, if she stands out yeah. among the rest of the Haladin, I have no objection to that as far as her height is concerned. Um, yeah. But, um, um, but yeah, Marie is asking how Amazonian should be like, how much she should she stand out from the rest of the house uh, of Haleth? I don't think she should need to look like a giant, right? She shouldn't like loom over. Like, I don't think that Haleth needs to be like head and shoulders taller than any other woman, you know, among the Haladin. Like, I don't think, she, but again, if she is a couple inches taller, no harm done. Right. I think that's okay. Um, uh, but, um, but yeah, she doesn't necessarily need height, but she should definitely, um, yeah, no, she's not Brienne of Tarth. Exactly. That is precise. No, she does not have to be Brienne of Tarth. In fact, I think she shouldn't be Brienne of Tarth. Um, I think that she, sh- when, so when I'm talking about Amazonia, I'm primarily talking about musculature. She should be strong. She should look strong. You know, she's, uh, someone who is going to be, Looking at her best with a battle axe in her hands is what I am thinking here. Uh, and, um, uh, yeah, it's just it's got to be clear uh, that she can take you down at any time. Um, but again, she also has to have a really commanding presence. I mean, she is. I don't think there is any human in season five who has more pure authority than Haleth. 
right? Mm-hmm. Nobody whose whose commands are obeyed more immediately and implicitly than Holith's are. You know, she is the boss of her people in a way like nobody else is the boss of their people. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Um, Haldad. Yeah. Haldad. It's really tempting to make Haldad look really wimpy <laughs> in comparison to like following Halith around and, you know, holding her cloak. It's really tempting to me to depict Haldad that way. Um, I, I don't know that we need to go like extremely in that direction, but I don't think Haldad needs to be very imposing. Um, no. Certainly. Hal- he- yeah, go ahead. If Hollis hadn't been around, he he would have been the leader. Probably. He would have been the leader, but, right? Right. Yeah, but but now, <laughs> but he can't. The most important thing is that when Hollis and Haldad are standing next to each other, there yeah. should be no question about who, who's the boss, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, so he cannot tower over her. He cannot be. T- I think he he should be no taller than Hollis, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now again, we can you know. If their actual physical heights are relatively close, that's fine. You know, we can put her in, you know, we can put her in 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 platform boots if we need to. Like, you know, there there are things that can be done. But um, uh, but I I just think it's it's he if he looks more imposing than she does, we've done it wrong. Um, again, yeah. he doesn't have to look like a wimp, but he does not. He he needs to look like somebody who is obviously second in command to Halith, a distant second in command. Um, yeah. And one actor in his 50s or something. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Or even, you know, yeah, late 40s, 50s. Yeah, we could definitely, that would be fine. That would be fine. Um, yep, 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 that's good. I don't think, I don't think we need to do casting for any other of the Haladine there. Those are all going to okay. be really, I mean, unless, you know, Marie or Rhiannon can, uh, um, can point to, um, you know, any of those minor characters that are going to play a sufficiently prominent role that we might want to think about it. But I just, off the top of my head, I don't think, uh, yeah, they don't really have stories. Yeah. I, th- I think if they, do, if there's not really a story, if they're just an extra, Basically, I think we can leave them as extras. That seems to so. Be we fun. don't have somebody who's important in the beginning and then dies in Nandungathev or something. Uh, I still doubt like important enough to like waste a named actor on. <laughs> you know, like we can still get a good extra. You know, to play. Oh. You know, to play. You know, a role uh, like that. Um, so it's basically a red shirt massacre, then. right? Well, that's what Halith's Hal- friend is, right? Exactly. Halith's friend yeah. is, uh, but yeah, exactly. I mean, Halith's friend is a red shirt. Look, he's not even named. He's just called Halith's friend, <laughs> right? So, so yeah, yeah. He's uh, uh, he is he is exactly a red shirt. So yeah, we can get we we can get uh, we can get extra an, an extra for them. Okay, House of Hador. So the House of Hador again. We have the tallest. Um, these are the tallest, fairest skin. We're looking for, you know, predominantly blonde, sort of, uh, uh, you know, northern types here. 
we've got Hador, Galdor, and Amlach, uh, which is a, a smaller, only one episode, but but a but a very important role. Um, Bereg, Bereg's going to get speeches, right, mm-hmm. um, at the council, right. So we might want to think about Bereg. He's very. I mean, even Amlach only gets one episode. Um, Bereg gets one episode too, but even less of one episode, so it might not be worth it. Um, but um, but let's think about let's think about let's think about Hador. Clearly, Hador's primary role um, is, you know, the eighteen to twenty-one year old Hador. Right. This is that's clearly what we have to cast. And I don't see any reason why we can't age him up. His role later on is going to be much more minor, uh, certainly much more minor than it is, you know, in his younger role. So even aging him up from 20 to, you know, 58 can be done kind of like we're doing with Haleth, you know, with 81 year old Haleth. We can age her up uh, as well. Okay. Um, so um, so I think definitely we just cast one hot or and we cast him at, you know in that range, like a 20 year old, uh, uh, guy. Um, Hador has to be tall, dashing, charismatic, right? You know, he's just like, he's the guy that you would just like automatically follow into battle, right? He's, he's got to have that kind of leadership presence to him. Um, um, Oh yeah, great. Marie says that the fifty-eight-year-old appearance is his cameo at the double wedding. So, in fact, exactly in the same scene as the eighty-one-year-old Howeth. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. That's fine. Um, our our CGI folks will just get extra exactly. extra pay for that episode. <laughs> that's fine. Well, darn it, I did it again. Sorry, I keep hitting my mouse wheel when my mouse is over the thing and accidentally uh, shifting it. Okay, um, so. Yeah. Um and he's and he's a warrior, right? I mean he is uh um Yeah. So I I Hador I think is not gonna be hard to find nominees for, basically. I think he's pretty clear. Galdor, um Galdor we're gonna have uh in a, uh, and again here, uh, Marie and Rhiannon, you can tell me more about what we're likely to see uh, from him. I'm not sure how much screen time Galdor gets. Um, I mean, you know, he's going to be, you know, father of 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 Hurin, so we're going to have him, you know, in the leadership role there. Um, but okay, he's gonna fight in and survive the Dagor Bragalach. Okay, so but how much of his personality are we gonna get? I mean, basically, I you know, in my mind, I'm just kind of thinking like find a a nice strapping looking, you know, uh, Viking type fellow to you know put in armor and, 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 and trot out in front of folks there. Um, uh, yeah. Okay. Now Marie points out that Gondor is going to be dying in the Dagor Bragalak being killed by a, um, 
being killed probably by a Balrog. But yeah, I don't think we need to. I don't think we need to. I think I think he can be an extra. Um, yeah, but for for Galdor, how will the viewers know him as Galdor? Will will they get a feeling for? Who he is? I don't think they're going to get much of a feeling for his personality. His primary storyline um, is going to be when Hurin and Huor go missing during the visit to Gondolin, right? Um, and which we're not even doing during this season. So during season right. five, so he's going to have a role later on, um, but even then it's not going to be a huge role. He's not going to be the star of that role. Uh, he's just going to be kind of part of that arc. Um so, yeah, yeah, he gets married at the double wedding. Um, he, um, you know, is going to be seen in battle. Um, he's going to have famous kids. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I don't have much of a clear sense of what Galdor's personality should be like exactly or, you know. Mm. Yeah. Um, a guy in his 30s or something? He should be he should be fairly young, I think. Um, but yeah, I agree. Not too young. We don't want to cast a, like a twenty year old because we're going to want to keep him around for season six, and not that much real world time will pass between now and season six, and he's going to we're going to want to have him older then. Uh, so, um, yeah, um, yeah. Both Marie and Rihanna are thinking maybe we wait until season seven to cast him. That would just be easier. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, let's Less. just let's, let's just wait on him. Um, he's too much of a blank slate in this season. So yeah, Amlach, Amlach should look different. I think he should not be blonde. I would nominate Amlach to be one of the brown-haired members of the House of Hadar. Um, uh, mostly just to have like a little bit more of a, um, sort of a visual contrast with Hador when Hador comes in. Um, Amlak, of course, as if I'm remembering correctly, the storyline we agreed upon for the council, um, Amlak is the one who is arguing for war against the elves. Like they're, they're not going to take it anymore and they're going to establish them. So there's, there's the, the three factions, right, that are just deciding what they're going to do at the council. There's the let's be friends with the elves faction. There's the let's fight the elves faction. And there's the let's leave Beleriand entirely faction. Um, the last is Bereg. The middle one is Amlok. And the first is Hador. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, I think... he can be a kind of unpleasant looking fellow. I think he certainly doesn't have to be attractive. He doesn't have to be, he's, he's again, a leader figure. He's leading a significant faction of the people. Um, so we can't have him just be like odious and annoying. Um, but, uh, but, you know, sort of unpleasant, aggressive, um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um Yeah. Um Right. Yeah, no, Marie, I know actual Amlock is not uh 
going to be quite so foolish as to say, let's charge and attack the Fanorians in their castles. Um, that would be rash. Um, but again, but like the, so not necessarily war, the more defiant approach, right? The, the, like we want to be independent and we're going to, you know, and we're willing to fight for our own independent. We're going to carve our, out our own land and do our own thing and, and, uh, defend our own borders if they're encroached upon, um, kind of attitude towards the elves. Um, So I'm thinking that the way that how I'm imagining presenting Amlock's character and you know Amlock's character would be somebody who is would have to be physically robust enough that he could lead people into battle if he needed to. Um, he would be kind of maybe sort of um, sneering, you know, like sort of. Uh, arrogant, a little bit arrogant, um, kind of, uh, I, I, I see him as kind of an unpleasant guy, right? Who, um, uh, is, you know, prepared to be rude to people. Proud. Yes, definitely proud. Definitely proud. Um, uh, yeah, that's, that's how I would imagine, um, of course, you know, like what I'm what I'm kind of doing here, you know, in all of these, I'm kind of like playing director, like trying to imagine mm-hmm. how I would want, you know, to kind of instruct yeah. actors to act, you know, for these different roles. And that kind of helps think of, uh, you know, whom we might want uh, in these. Positions is like eventually. boastful? Is he, uh... I think so. Not necessarily like. Uh, with a, like delusions of grandeur kind of thing like not necessarily that far right but um um but yeah somebody who is very confident uh very full of uh uh you know he he like you know believes in you know the you know their house and that they can hold their own among these elf lords they're not going to be intimidated no. by these elf lords they're not going to serve the elf lords they're going to set up their own kingdom and if it comes to it they'll defend their own you know their own kingdom um yeah. so yeah I yeah guess- they haven't warred a lot, but but he could be like a, an accomplished hunter or something, and have this sure. like a, a bear skin or something. And sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think he should be shorter than Hador. I, I would think. Like I, I would want like when Hador comes in, you know, there's no question which one is the one you want to follow into battle. Right? I mean, Hador in his whole presence, I think, should be the clear, like, I'm going to capture the vision of the people and, and here's the, you know, what, what we're going to do and how we could be and come follow me, everyone. Um, and I think that Amlock does not have anything like the charisma that Hador has. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and yes, of course, as Marie points out, Hador is also outfitted by elves. He's going to come in resplendent, you know, in Noldor armor. So that'll also help uh, with uh, the contrast between him and... Uh, and so I agree, actually, that's a nice contrast. Amlak the hunter, right? So he is dressed, like, respectably, which shows his prowess as a hunter. But you're going to have this one guy in skins and furs, Right. And then this other guy in Noldor and armor comes in. Right. So it's going to be a fairly stark contrast. And I, I, I think that works really well. I like that. Um, good. Good. So Bereg, do you think we should do Bereg as well? I guess we might as well if we're doing Amlock. So let's let's do Bereg as well. Let's see. So what should Bereg look like? Bereg should be like. Um, 
he can be blonde. Um, I know in the text he's from the House of Bayor, but he's not going to be from the House of Bayor. He's going to be from the House of Hador. So um, let's make him let's make him blonde. We don't want to have like you know create this thing where like the blonde people are the good guys and the <laughs> brown haired people are the bad guys. So uh, let's have Bereg be blonde as well. Um, he can be um, uh, he can be. If Hador is the warrior and Amlach is the hunter, I'm thinking Bereg is like a farmer, basically. Okay. Right? Do they farm? I think they farm. Mightn't they farm? Okay. I would think well, they Well, they've would... been traveling for so long. I, I, but they've been they there now for a little while. Now. Yeah, yeah they've, they've been there. They've, they've at least been there for multiple years by this time. Um, okay. We have them as herdsmen. Okay, fine. Herds, herd, herding as well. That's fine. I, I, that's fine. But Rihanna says they also fight. Whatever. Point is, not a man of action is what I'm going for. Yeah. Not a man of action, right? He's He can be someone, and so he can be... Maybe he's older. I don't think like 70 older, but, you know, maybe he's... I could imagine him as being someone... Because his argument is that they should just leave, right? Um, so he doesn't have to look like... He doesn't have to be presented as like a coward, right? You know, like somebody who's like, you know, I'm afraid to fight, so I think we should run away. Like, that's not his pitch, right? I think that mm-hmm. if we present Bereg as somebody who is sensible, right, who is uh, uh, wise, right, and who just comes in and is like, hey, I have an idea. You know, we've got these, you know, they're elves around. We're trying to figure out how to, you know, what relationship do we have? I've got an idea. What if we just distance ourselves? What if we just back off, leave these elves to do their thing on their own. There's remember, there's plenty of land on the other side of the mountains, right? Let's just, let's just go there. How about we do that? That's a very common sense kind of approach, right? So I kind of like him as like the, the spokesperson for like the plain unadventurous farming, herding type people who says, how about we just not cause trouble and go away? Right. Um, uh, so, you know, that, um, that seems to to work fairly because he doesn't have to be like an evil antagonist. I don't think, unless I'm misremembering something about him from the uh, from the, again. Amlock is going to be the primary antagonist of Hadar. He's going to be the real other. Um, Bereg can be like a voice for a third opinion, which maybe many of the people agree with initially, um, but I don't necessarily see him as an antagonist against Hadar, whereas Amlak is. Um, you know, the two of them have directly con- conflicting visions um, of what the people should be. Um, so, yeah, so maybe maybe he's in his 40, or if like, so maybe Hador is young. Hador is like 20, right? Um, Amlak is maybe in his 30s, like, you know, mid to late 30s. And Bereg is maybe like late 40s. Um, uh, you know, again, not, um, not so, not so aged that it's like, you know, he's like, I'm going to totter over the mountains and go explore. I mean, he's got to be, you know, enough to actually lead people across the mountains and go, but, uh, you know, not wanting a part of this young people testosterone conflict that's going on between Hador and Amlock. Okay. Yeah. So let's, so let's do it. Let's, let's, if we're casting Amlock, we might as well cast Beric. So let's no. uh, let's do it. I don't think we need any of the others. Hurin and Huor. 
I think we save them, right? Like Baron. Yeah. If we're saving Baron, we should save Huron and Huor. Um, we can cast them when we get to the Gondolin story. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay. All right. And that's all our humans that we that we need. It's actually a smaller list of human characters yeah. than I was actually thinking. So that's cool. Um, the primary elf that has to be cast this season is Mygwin. Yeah. Agreed. Um, we cast Aeol already, didn't we? We cast Aeol? Yeah, Mark Strong. Yeah, right, right. That's right. Okay, okay. So, so Mygwin, um Yeah. I think we probably should cast Pengoloth as well. I think we should cast okay. Pengoloth. Um, Finduilos, I think we can wait on Finduilos until we get to the Turin Turinbar story. Um, uh, uh, mm, Gilgalad. Let's put off Gilgalad as long as possible because. <laughs> Who, whatever actor we cast to play Gilgalad, will be in like as many seasons as anybody, but like Gandalf and Galadriel, basically. I mean, he's an Elrond. I mean, he's going to be Gilgalad is going to be around for the. I mean, this is one of the things, right? I mean, he's um, um, he's a very long running character, which is super easy to forget because the time in which he's long running is the time is this one that Tolkien doesn't tell any stories about, but, um, but yeah. So therefore let's, let's wait, let's wait as long as we can and cast somebody young, uh, when we get there, um, so that he can stick around for 15 seasons or however long Kyokohad is going to be in the picture. Um, Veronwe, I think we can wait on Veronwe. Um again unless he plays a, a, a significant role that I don't know about yet. Um No, it's it's just I, I threw those names in Veronwe and uh Elemaku because I I just uh, listened to the uh Timothy West and Samuel West uh, reading of the uh, Follow Gondolin, so I was right. inspired. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, we can definitely wait on them until we do more Gondolin stuff. Um, uh, Fendulis, I know we're there with Gilgalad, but again, I, th- I think we wait. We cast her. Um, we cast her when we get to Turin Turinbar. Um, I definitely think Pengalad, because he's an important character that we're going to come back to, and he gets a scene, uh, enough of a scene, I think, that we can uh, we can, we can, we can bring him in again later. Um uh, let's Elrune. see. Elrune. Okay, so Elrune is a pretty big role. I'm not that familiar with where that's going. Um, Son of Anil. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know where. I, I, I think I don't know enough about the, the script at that point yet to, to know what to do with that one. Um Fingen's lieutenant. Okay. Okay. Right. Right. Got it. Okay. Um, so Elrune then is one of the Sindar serving under Fingen. Um, well, 
what does he do? Is like a horseman or an archer or? Yeah, I, I would. I mean, he's got to be a horseman with Finn with uh, Fingen up there. Mm-hmm. I think he needs to be. I'm imagining a hard-faced person, right? Somebody with a really stoical aspect for Elrune. Um, it's because the backstory, as I recall from season four, we will have met Elrune when he was a kid, right? That day that we met Anil and his family camping um, on Ardgalan, right? Um, before Anil was captured. Um, so the the story, right, his um, his his arc, right, is that he begins as, as you know, as, as a child with Anil um, in this, like, happy-go-lucky cinder in place, and then tragedy befalls his family, and he becomes a warrior uh, to help, like, you know, avenge his father, and then his father comes back, and then sketchy things start happening with his father. So, um, uh, in fact, I'm not obviously suggesting this literal casting, but... You know how everybody jokes about how Hugo Weaving did angry Elrond like throughout the Lord of the Rings films? Like the ki- the kind of like angry demeanor that Hugo Weaving had as Elrond is kind of that's 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 the way that I would again I'm not suggesting Hugo Weaving, but I'm saying uh he should he should he should he should not smile much. Elrond should not smile much. Okay. He should have I think he should have a, a hard um uh uh a hard face. Uh, which is uh, a hard, stern, very stern, grim even. Grim should be Elrun. Um, and getting grimmer, of course, as time goes on. Um, mm-hmm. uh, as for Pengaloth, yeah, as for Pengaloth, um, well, his, his Pengaloth is most famous for being, he's one of the most famous scholars, right? So, you know, he's a bookish guy. He doesn't, you know, he shouldn't be, um, I mean, here is certainly a good role for a, an actor with a not very physically imposing <laughs> physique, right? You know, he certainly could be uh, a slighter or shorter person. Um, height not required for Pengalot's position. Um wow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We have a, we have a, we have a, we have a, a role for a short guy. That's exciting. We don't have so many of those uh, in this world here. Be careful not to to nominate someone who we should save for Hobbit. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yeah, short but not 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 Hobbit sized. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, but I mean, he's he's he's. A bookish guy, and that's how he's going to be presented. And I think, I mean, you know, we'll see what role we exactly we want to give him in the fall of Gondolin itself. But um, we're not there yet. But but for now, certainly that's what we're going to see of him, and that's that's the the primary thing uh, with him. So yeah, definitely, if there's, um, you know, an actor that people like who you know is of this type, you know, sort of slender and. Um, not very athletic, uh, that Pengaloth would be a good role. But I've been beating around the bush. Maeglin is the big one. Um, So, I'm of, I'm of two minds about Maeglin. One possibility is to make Maeglin 
the kind of character that you see him and it's just he's vaguely creepy right like somebody who kind of creeps you out I mean that where you get that like there's something kind of off about this guy vibe about him we could just play him that way um, mm-hmm. the other alternative is to cast him counter to that right and have him be gorgeous right have him be one of the most attractive men on the screen um there's a lot that I like about that. I would like about that kind of casting for Mike Lynn. Um, remember that his, you know, short term destiny is to be embraced by Turgon. Right. And and, you know, he's going to be, uh, you know, close to the king and uh, treated with great respect and um, uh, and have high, pos- you know, earn a high position in Gondolin, despite his sketchy upbringing. Um, uh, and parentage on his father's side. So I could see it. I could definitely see a strong argument for saying we shouldn't have there be anything visually off about him. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Um, but I'm kind of torn. I think he, he has to be. I, I don't know about his looks. He has to be charismatic somehow. Mm hmm. Uh, and I think that I, I think that he has to have like he has to have like um, a conflict in him that that is that is both very strong and also kind of like makes you feel pity for him right. <laughs> in some right right so that uh, you want to want to take care of him or, or want to want him to succeed and, and, and so on yeah like uh, yeah I, so, I mean so I agree you I mean, should, should like hold on to him I think that would be fun I think that would be a fun way to play my Glenn in particular one of the things that I think would be really interesting about that is Idril right from the beginning Idril does not trust him right mm-hmm. and I think it would be kind of fun to make it not obvious that she's right for a while, right? Eventually, it will be seen that she has been wise all along, right? Um, But I think that nobody else should understand that, right? I think that um, she should be uncomfortable with Myglin, but nobody else is uncomfortable with Myglin. And so... And, you know, even I mean, I can imagine scenes later on, not not in season five, but later on when Idril has to, like, explain when somebody's like, why are you so cold to my Glenn? You know, he's your cousin and, you know, he's awesome. Everybody likes my Glenn. You know, what's wrong with you, Idril? Like, why are you so frosty to my Glenn? Uh, you know, I, and I think there should be um, I kind of like the idea of there being some real tension there. Right, she sees something and nobody else sees it, including the viewer. Like the viewer doesn't see it either. I, I, I kind of like that. Okay, so let's have Myglin be dark-haired, but very attractive. Um, but as if dark-haired people are that detracts from attractiveness. <laughs> he's dark-haired and very attractive is what I mean to say. And he's, um, I, yeah, I think he shouldn't be. When he's standing next to Tuor someday, Tuor is 
going to make him look small. Yeah. Right. You know, two or um, physically speaking, I'm imagining something like the uh, like, you know, Tom Hiddleston and Chris Hemsworth standing next to each other. Kind of like he should he should be physically powerful above and beyond um, uh, my Gwen. But Mygwin, you know, can be very attractive. He does not have to be physically robust. I don't think he, he need be huge or muscular. Um, mm-hmm. He, um, but um, but but attractive and charming. I, I you know, I can go with uh, with uh, attractive and charming. Yeah, Maria, I, I was remembering that we were saving Chris Hemsworth. Uh, Ed Tour would be on my short list of roles to suggest for Chris Hemsworth. Actually, um, I think he could do a good tour. I don't know if he has quite the range for tour, uh, perhaps as an actor, but maybe he could pull it off. Physically speaking, uh, it's not yeah. a bad uh, it's not a bad call. But anyway, we're not casting tour now. Um, so I think that should probably be enough to go on with Mygwin. I, I think I think that's a good idea. I don't think there's any major enemies that we need to cast. No. This time, I think we're good. Um, uh, and the frame. Okay, frame. So we've got Harad, right? Um, uh, yeah. Um, I think that we have the Haradrim in Hobbiton of the South, I think should be dark skin African complexioned. I think the 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 Haradrim village that we're talking about should be full of dark skinned African complexioned people. Um I think yeah, I think that's what we should do. Um because it's one of the thing we know that dark skinned people are going to be among the armies of Sauron when he attacks Gondor in the Third Age part of what we're showing is the origin story there. Like how does Sauron invade and corrupt this culture? And that's what we're want, one of the things we're wanting to dramatize. Um, uh, how do I like the names? Uh, they sound very Adunayak, Marie. Um, Azra, Azraindil, Abrazan, Arnuben. Sure. I like it. I like it. Um, uh, great. Yeah. So, um, uh, I don't. Well, I don't know the frame story uh, well enough. We haven't fleshed, We haven't finished discussing the frame story, so I haven't fleshed it out well enough in my head to have a clear sense. For instance, of the physical types between the older son and the younger son, um, exactly. Um, of course, the one thing. Yeah, Marie was exa- just saying exactly what I was thinking. The one guide that I have in my head is the the Boromir Faramir parallel. So the older son being um, the the Boromir parallel, the larger, more physically athletic brother, and the younger son being not you know the asthmatic weakling, but uh, but clearly um, uh, both younger and less hardy than his brother, as Faramir would say. Um, yeah. Yeah, that um, that I think is is good thing. But again, I, 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 he shouldn't be the younger son. Shouldn't be shrimpy either. And both of them, you know, right around age twenty, that'll be fine. The queen, their mother, 
should be um, uh, distinguished, not like lofty necessarily. Like I don't see this culture as being, you know, like her as like this person who's carried around in a litter, you know, kind of thing. I mean, I see her as being, um, you know, sort of wise and approachable. Um, uh, I get, I think what I have in my head, I think that the, what, what's kind of, um, influencing me in thinking about her is the fact we've been characterizing somewhat tongue in cheek. We've been characterizing this as the Hobbiton of the South. Right now, it's Hobbiton of the South in the sense that Gandalf hangs out there, not in the sense that there are hobbits there. And yet I find myself like imagining a more um, Shire like not not exactly like the Shire culture, but um, as far as like peaceful, not very like I, I don't see her as a very authoritarian leader. I think I'm being influenced by the sort of more you know, kind of benevolent anarchy that we see in the Shire, right? That she's, uh, um, I think I'm imagining her more like a may, more like Will Woodfoot than I'm imagining her like, uh, you know, Denethor or something like that. Um, but, um, it doesn't have to be quite that far. I think she can be a little bit more lofty like that. I mean, she is the ruler. She is in charge. She is a monarch in a way that Will Woodfoot is not in the Shire, but, um, but still, I'm imagining, I think the thing, the other thing that is influencing me in this way is when I, um, when I am imagining the, the kind of the trajectory of the corruption of the culture. If it were already to be like a sort of strict and stern monarchy, which is nevertheless like just and benevolent, and then you know, the ruler of the people is now ruling the people in a different direction. I, I kind of want there to be a more prominent change in tone, right? That it's, it's not just that, um, you know, the cult of Sauron is now introducing all of these horrible things into the culture and therefore kind of changing its direction a little bit. I think it would be really nice if we were to see, like, originally, I got, she is, yes, she's the ruler, but her rule is more um, not exactly it's not like she's a democratically elected monarch um, but um, I don't know she sort of rules like a big sister like she's friends with the people and it's like I think they should have a really like, and this is what, why I keep wanting why I keep wanting to say Shire like right like they just get along like she doesn't have a whole lot to do as leader you know um that this this is a this is a it's a happy peaceful there are some squabbles that need to be settled sometimes right and this is the main thing that she does you know is uh is you know preside at banquets and you know uh 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 solve squabbles and things i don't think that she's an authoritarian leader right and so the idea of not just now your king is going to worship Sauron and Sauron is going to be your king instead of your old king. Um, but that the introduction of the kind of, you know, totalitarian rule that Sauron is going to introduce should seem completely alien. Like that's something which is clear. Like there's obviously 
going to be a major cultural loss and the people will be less happy um, as as a result. I don't know if any of that um, uh, makes sense. Now, Marie points out that with the cult of Sauron moving in, if 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 there is that kind of a very relaxed sort of permissive, you know, she doesn't rule, you know, she does not micromanage the kingdom, you know, um, it would make it more logical for her to have a kind of hands-off approach when the cult of Sauron comes in, right? You know, she wouldn't be like, you must have my permission and who are you to speak like this in my city? It would just be like, oh, okay, you know, so this is happening. Let's, you know... It's okay. The people want to hear what they have to say. Okay, that's fine. And so even in that kind of a cultural environment, even the people who are wanting to resist uh, the mouth of Sauron would um, uh, would be acting a little counterculturally, right? Like people don't normally act like intolerantly like that. Like, let's kick them out and not let them speak in our town would seem weird, too. Right. So um, that would give it a kind of, um, well, it's like, you know, Gandalf and Minas Tirith, right? For good or ill, you know, the Gondor you have known is no more. That's what we will see happening, right? When the cult of Sauron comes to town, for good or ill, this, you know, this, this, this city is changing forever. Um, and it's just a question of what direction it's going to change. <clears throat> so, anyway. This is me doing a lot of frame talk uh, more than I had expected. But I, this, I, so imagining the queen, though, I mean, but it, it makes a big difference, right? Imagining her, like, is she going to be, um, you know, like a sultan, you know, ruling like a sultan, or is she not? And I think not. I think that she can be, she does not have to be proud, lofty, aloof. Um, I don't see her that way at all. You know, somebody who is like everybody's, um, you know, favorite aunt uh, would be fine, I think. Um, even somebody who's a little bit like grandmotherly, essentially, um, would, I think, be fine. Um, I think that the mouth of the first mouth of Sauron should uh, I, ra- like racially should look like the rest of them. This should not look like a foreign culture necessarily coming in. This should be um, sort of evidence of this, of like the, their culture, all you know, like their, the whole, their land already being like corrupted from within by Sauron's, you know, under Sauron's influence. He's already, in other words, he's already clearly done, succeeded in some other city-states, and now it's coming here. Um, and also it should not look like uh, you know, Marie, I, I certainly understand the issues, you know, the, the concerns you're thinking about colonialism and stuff. I don't think it should look colonial. Not that I, you know, am against Sauron looking like a colonialist, but um, but I, I don't think that's the dy- the dynamic here necessarily. I think it's it's about corruption from the inside. It's not about invasion from without. So I think that the first mouth of Sauron um, can be scary um intense but um uh but um scary intense but fitting in on the street apart from the fact that you know with the 
devil worshiping and preaching <laughs> and, you know, uh, pension for human sacrifice and things like that. But I don't think there should be like big, obvious physical differences there. Um, yeah. Well, okay. I'm tempted to now go down a whole different rabbit hole thinking about the mouth of Sauron, but let's, we're going to still talk about the Harad frame more, uh, later on. So uh, let me save that until we do that. But I think, um, the, but yeah, but the main thing is that the mouth of Sauron should be, and did we just, didn't we say the first, that we wanted the mouth of Sauron to be a woman? The first mouth of Sauron? Yeah. I think we said that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so therefore we're going to have a logical, um, opposition right, between the queen and the first mouth of Sauron. We're going to have these two female authority figures, basically. Um, and so we should be thinking about the kind of correspondences between them. And my impulse would be to make them not um, not very similar. I'm suddenly imagining the queen as... A woman of comfortably solid proportions. I don't think she need be skinny and statuesque. Um, because like, this is a country. This they, they are not a military. They are not a militaristic people, right? She she doesn't lead anybody into battle. Um, they're at peace. They're prosperous. You know, it's. Uh, I think that would be so to have her be physically sort of soft, right? Personality wise, she can be a good leader. I'm not saying she has to be weak. Um, She can be a strong personality, but strong in a friendly, kindly kind of way. Um, Whereas the mouth of Sauron would certainly be... um, thin, uh, possibly very thin, hard, um, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm thinking, um, I, I, I kind of a physical, a, a physical opposite almost to the, uh, soft and comfortable queen, basically. I don't know. That's my suggestion. Anyway, uh, any 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 reactions to that, Hawkeye? Does that does that make sense to you? Sounds good to me. Okay, cool, awesome, awesome, good. Well, that's all of them. I think we're just about done. So I think that gives a, a good amount of uh, of uh, of guidance as we think through that. Um, we talked again about we talked already about the the actually I think we we covered all this stuff. We already talked about the frame. Look at that. Today, not only do I get to bunches of slides today, I do slides before I even open up the slide, apparently. So there we are. Look at that. That's fantastic. Um, Excellent. Good. So we look forward to next time. Our next session, uh, we'll be back to our regular time, 10 p.m. Eastern time on Thursday, February 11th. And we're going to be moving ahead to episode four, so which is focuses on the attack on the stockade and the introduction of Haleth. Uh, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to 
uh, to a, a good big Holith episode there. Uh, and of course, um, inviting folks to participate in the script discussion. You can see the discussion that's been, um, and, uh, of course, don't forget uh, to tune in for participation in the script discussion uh, uh, as um, if you want to kind of jump in to talk more about the, the current one that's under discussion, which, reminding myself, going back, oh, there it is, uh, episode 8, which is on Sunday, February 7th at 8.30 p.m. So, um, so there we go. Excellent. Well, Hakan, thank you for joining me tonight. Uh, Thanks uh, for having me. Yeah. Uh, it's been a privilege and, and even more of a privilege to have had you along with us uh, for this. I, you know, I've, because of the time difference, we've so rarely been able to have you live with us that I don't get much yeah. opportunity uh, to, to thank you and spotlight the work that you do. But you, you've been a, an enormously important member of our community for a long time. So thank you so much for that. Thank you. No, well, I'm usually one of the Eggloth, you know, over here. So <laughs> yeah, Exactly. <laughs> very good thank you all right well thanks everybody for joining us and again tune in on february 11th at 10 p.m and uh, we look forward to uh, getting back into the plot and continuing the discussion so i will say as always thanks for listening and godspeed